0: I'm going to ask you to turn in your bibles or you turn your electronic devices whatever you have with you to Luke chapter number 3 this morning. I'm just going to be honest with you cuz confession is really good for the soul. This is something God put on my heart some time back and I've been preaching it all over the place. It's just a, one of those seasonal words God gave to me that I feel like I just need to need to preach. So John chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 15 and 16. It is my custom if you have found it, that you'll just stand with me, please, this morning, as we read the Word of God. If you don't mind, two verses of Scripture, Luke three, verses fifteen and sixteen. I'll read from the New King James Version of the Bible. It should be on the screens for you. It says this: Now, as the people were in expectation, let me read that line again. Now, as the people were in expectation. And all reasoned in their hearts about John, speaking of John the Baptist, whether he was the Christ or not. John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire verse 15 says now as the people were in expectation I want to take a few moments today I want to preach around this thought what are you expecting let's pray that you can be seated father thank you for the word today thank you for worship this morning thank you for the witness of the Holy Spirit Thank you for this amazing church, these incredible people, this exceptional pastoral leadership team, God, that you have placed here to lead this church into its future. For the next few moments, Lord, touch us together. Help me communicate the truth of your word in such a way that people will be able to receive it. God, I'm, I'm asking you today to move, not because of me, but God, in spite of me today, move and do a work in this place. God, that we will leave here in just a few moments and we will be able to leave here and say that it was good to have been in the house of the Lord. Lord, I just throw myself completely and totally upon you today. I need your touch, Father. I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. Now, right before you seat it, don't shake anybody's hand, don't get anybody's face, but smile at somebody and tell them they look a lot better than they did last Sunday. Tell them you look a lot better than you did last Sunday. And then you may be seated this morning. Thank you. Expectation speaks of an anticipation or a looking forward to the appearance or the coming of something. You know, when I think of expectation, I can't help but to think of a, a young married couple who is expecting their very first child. The excitement and the anticipation, it really is uh, indescribable. From announcing the news to your friends and family, finding out if you're having a boy or a girl, Uh, Picking out a name that both husband and wife can agree on. I hear some chuckles this morning. Choosing a theme for the nursery. Packing that overnight bag for the hospital. To finally holding that gift in your arms. And for the very first time, looking down in its beautiful little face, at least to a mom or dad, a newborn is beautiful. And for the first time ever hearing its cries, it really is, at least it was for me, a life-changing experience. But prior to that moment, There are nine, and I'll add long, months in there for the moms. Nine long months of waiting, of expecting, of anticipating. And as the weeks and the months creep by, our anticipation level only grows. I remember when Kelly was expecting... Both of ours, and there would be days that she would make mention of feeling the baby move in her womb, and she said, "Put your hand over here. Can you feel that?" And for the longest time, I could not experience what she was experiencing, and it was a point of frustration for me at, at times. Say, "Oh, put your hand here. Can you feel it?" I'm like I, I, I can't feel it. And I finally remember that. That day that she said, put your hand here for the first time, I could experience what she was experiencing. I could feel our kids, our babies that were soon to be born. I could feel that movement that she was feeling. Other times we'd be laying in the bed and she would kind of grimace and make a noise. I'd say, what's wrong? she said, put your hand over here and you could, feel a, you could feel a foot that was kind of poking out. You could kind of feel an elbow that was in her side. I mean, there was one time I could literally feel the, the little round ball of a foot that was pushing on her stomach. And all that did was, was raise our expectation level for the gift, the miracle that God was preparing to give to us. Can I tell you today that there are some amazing, miraculous, supernatural things that I believe with all of my heart that God wants to do in our lives. And I believe that it's all dependent upon our level of expectation, I'm firmly convinced today that expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. And can I just tell you, by the way, that God is still doing the miraculous. God is still doing the supernatural. God still wants to do the miraculous. God still wants to do the supernatural. It's all dependent upon our level of expectation. And in Luke chapter 3, I read to you about a group of people who were in a certain place, at a certain season, a certain time, as John the Baptist was preaching. I'll get to that in just a moment. And they were, the Bible said, in expectation. One version renders it like this. It said, now, as the people were in expectation, one version says it like this, that the people were up on their tiptoes in expectation. Expectation looking for and longing for something there was something in their hearts that was stirring that had them up on their tiptoes in expectation Listen, if God is going to do something in your life, and if God is going to do something in my life, He is going to look for people who have expectation. Expectation is indeed the birthing place and the breeding ground for the miraculous that God desires to do in our lives. Stay with me for just a moment. Lay a little groundwork here. Luke chapter 3 introduces us to the ministry of one called John the Baptist. You know John the Baptist, the one that was the cousin to Jesus. John the Baptist, the one that was born six months earlier than Jesus. John the Baptist the one who would begin his public ministry at the very same age that Jesus did, 30 years old. John the Baptist, the one whom Isaiah prophesied about. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. John the Baptist the one who would be the forerunner of Jesus. John the Baptist, the one who would be tapped by God to to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, the one who would ready the hearts of the people to receive the message that Jesus would preach. John the Baptist, the one whose voice would break a 400-year period of silence, where there was no written word and there was no spoken word that came from God. When the events in the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, ended and came to a conclusion, there was a 400-year period where there was a famine of God's Word. There wasn't a written word. Can you imagine? There wasn't a written word. There wasn't a spoken word. But it would be John's voice who would begin to break that 400-year period of silence As he would stand down in the waters of that Jordan River and he would begin to preach and to proclaim and to propagate, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now listen, John the Baptist was different. He was different in his demeanor. He had this kind of, I call it a turn or burn, get right or get left kind of ministry. It was in your face. It was not seeker friendly. If you didn't like it too bad, he was going to tell you w- how it was and what it was like. You just would either have to like it or lump But He was different in his demeanor. John had a little bit of an attitude, had a little edge about him. He wasn't worried about making friends, wasn't worried about putting, putting backsides in a pew or in a chair, didn't care if you liked it or not. John was just going to tell the truth of God's word. He was different in his demeanor. John was different in his dress. Most folks of the day would probably prefer to wear the, 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 the long flowing robes and the kingly attire. John said, listen, I'll just take a tunic made of camel's hair and a leather belt. That will suffice for me. He was different in his diet. Most folks of the day would, would prefer to dine on the finer delicacies that would be offered. But, but John had this weird diet. He said, listen, I don't need the, the finer meats. I don't need the finer delicacies. I'll just take, a, I'll take some locusts and some wild honey while I'm out here in the desert. So he was different in his demeanor. He was different in his dress. He was different in his diet. But his birth was Supernatural. Supernatural in the fact that he was born to, to an aging mother and father, Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were well past the years of childbearing. Elizabeth's womb had been closed up, but God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, supernaturally moved up on that old lady's womb and opened up her womb, and she was able to conceive and to give birth to this one called John the Baptist. His birth was supernatural. Supernatural. His calling was significant. When his father Zacharias was in the temple, he was, a, he was a part of the priesthood and he was serving at his specific time of prayer that the priest had to, had to serve. So it was during that specific time that the angel of the Lord showed up to Zacharias and began to speak to him about the fact that God was going to move upon his wife Elizabeth. They were going to have a child and the angel of the Lord began to speak to him and he said, Zacharias, you are going to have joy. You and your wife are going to have joy and gladness. And, and many Many will rejoice at his Coming. He began to, to explain to Zacharias that, that John would be great in the sight of the Lord. He would drink neither wine nor strong drink, the angel said. And he would be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. The angel went on talking and said to him that John would, would turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He said that John would go before Jesus in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. He would Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So his calling was significant. His birth was supernatural. His ministry was specific. John had one assignment, and he had one assignment only, and that was simply this, to point people toward the Messiah, to prepare the people, to prepare their hearts for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. John didn't have a bunch of plates that he had to spin like we do in ministry right now. He didn't wear three or four different hats. He didn't have a bunch of different titles. John had one specific assignment, and that was to be the bridesmaid. That was to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. John, you don't get to have the limelight. You don't get to be the center of attention. Once your time is done, we're just going to simply remove you off of the scene. John, you've got to be okay with playing second fiddle. You've got to be okay being in the second chair. John had no problem with that. And for one year, his public ministry lasted for one year. John prepared the way and he prepared the hearts of the people for the coming of the Messiah. And after that one year period of ministry, John would be thrown into a prison. He would be behaved for speaking the truth, but John's assignment was specific point people toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I just tell you today, in this crazy culture that we're living in, I believe the church still has one primary goal and one thing they're responsible for. It's not great music. It's not great preaching. It's not great buildings. We have one assignment, I believe, as the church, and that is to point people toward the Lord Jesus Christ and tell them that Jesus still saves and Jesus still heals and Jesus still delivers and Jesus can still change your life. And if the church ever gets their focus on that purpose, I believe we can change the world for the glory of God. We still need to point people back toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me get here and do this message here, a little groundwork I laid for you. And John ministers at a time when Israel finds themselves under the oppressive rule and reign of the Roman Empire. It's a time, they tell us, that was marked, now listen to this, it was marked with spiritual, moral, and political corruption. Now, I, I'm not a, I would never have been a political preacher. I didn't come preach politics today. You want to hear my opinions? Catch me after church. I tell you everything I think. I won't even bat an eye when I tell you, but this is not the place for me to do that. But it's amazing to me that thousands of years earlier they're dealing with spiritual, moral, and political corruption, Pastor Tony. And here we are in 2020. The climate and the culture is the same as it was back then. Spiritual, moral, and and political corruption. But in the midst of all of that, there was a man, there was a voice, and there was a conviction that stood and it preached the truth of God's word. I'm glad today that all across the state of Virginia and in this church, every single Sunday, you still get the truth of the word of God, and you get it with clarity, and you get it with conviction. And there's no 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 punches that are that are that are held back, nothing that is that is watered down. The truth of God's word is still proclaimed we need men and women of God today in the midst of this crazy chaotic climate we're living in that will stand flat-footed put their shoulders back and yes point their fingers and declare thus saith the word of God we need the truth of God's word today John finds himself during that particular season, spiritual, moral, political corruption. and Luke chapter 3, let me get here and preach a little bit. Luke chapter 3 reveals to us what I believe is one of John's first ever recorded sermons. I don't have time to read it to you today, but but verses 7 through 14 reveals to us one of John's first ever sermons that he preached. take some time later on to read those seven or eight verses you'll find that it was it was convicting it was confrontational it was truthful it was transformational and there was something about John's preaching that day that the longer that he preached it began to create this atmosphere amongst those people of expectation. Pastor Jeremy, there was something that he was saying. There was a a way that his voice sounded, something that was coming out of him caused those people there that day to have this this spirit of expectation. There there was this sense amongst those people that day, as John the Baptist preached, that something significant, that something monumental was getting ready. Ready to happen, that something major was getting ready to unfold, and the longer that John preached and the more that he preached, there was this atmosphere that began to build. That's why the, the one verse that said the people began to get up on their tiptoes. There was this expectancy that at any moment something, they weren't completely sure, but that at any moment something was getting ready to happen. There was something great, monumental, significant, something that was noteworthy, if you will, that was getting ready to happen there that day, there was this general expectation amongst those people that day that at any moment this Jesus that John the Baptist was preaching about, that at any moment he could just show up and walk onto the scene there. They had read the prophecies. They had heard the things that had been spoken, and now there John is preaching. They have this stirring, this longing, this expectation that at any moment this Jesus John was preaching about that he could show up on the scene there was something in their hearts that they sensed that something monumental was getting ready to happen I don't know about you but I've got that sense every now and then that at any moment Jesus Christ could show back up again I've got this longing in my heart that at any moment Jesus Christ could step out on the clouds of glory and like Paul said the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God is going to sound that dead in Christ are going to rise first and then those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be. I've got this feeling that at any moment Jesus could show up again and take us all to heaven to rule and reign with him. The sense these people had, this expectation these people had that day. Something big is getting ready to happen. Something monumental is getting ready to unfold right before our very eyes. So great was their expectation, and so great was their anticipation. that The Bible said they begin to reason amongst themselves. Is this he? Is this the one? John, are you the Jesus? Are you the Jesus that you've been preaching about? We hear what you're saying, but there's something in our spirits, and there's something in our hearts. There's this longing. There's this expectation. we feel something so major right here. John, are you him? Are you the one? John, tell us, uh, are, are you just preaching about him, but or, or, or are you him? And John said, listen, I baptize you with water, but there is one. There is one that is mightier than I am who is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend down and loose his sandal strap. When he gets here, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost And with fire. John said, I am not He, but there is one. Can I tell you today that Jesus has always been and will always be the only one? There is no other name given under heaven amongst men whereby we can be saved. I don't care what Hollywood tells you. There are not many pathways to God, there are not many roads to God, there are not many ways to God, but Jesus is the way, He is the truth and he is alive and no one can come to the father except through Jesus Christ it is through the shed blood of Calvary that man finds a way into a relationship with Jesus Christ he's always been the only one he will always be the only one and at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess of things in heaven of things in earth and of things under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the father Jesus is the only way today hallelujah I'm not him but there's one there's one coming after me and the more that John preached the expectation level just begin to rise. I want to tell you that I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to me several weeks ago just to start telling the church that we need to get up on our tiptoes and we need to start expecting God to work and to move again in our lives. Listen, we need to raise our expectation level and start expecting God to do the miraculous. Start expecting God to do the extraordinary. Start expecting God to do the supernatural. Why not start expecting God to move in your life? Why not start expecting God to save your family? Why not start expecting God to heal your body? Why not start expecting God to restore your marriage? Why not start expecting God to supernaturally open doors in your life? I just feel like I'm on assignment these last several weeks to tell the body of Christ and to tell the church it's time we get up on our tiptoes and we start expecting the Lord to show up and to move and to work in our hearts and our lives. I want to tell you today, God is is able this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> Paul said in Ephesians 3 and 20, Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above. All that we could ask or think according to the power that works on the inside of us, my favorite version of that scripture is found in the message translation that says this, God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Let me tell this side over here, God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Can I tell this section right here? God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams dreams while i'm at it, let me tell this section right here god can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess a request in your wildest dreams can i tell you over here on the wing god can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess a request in your wildest dreams god is able today if you believe that somebody ought to praise the lord with me this morning hallelujah Let me talk to you about two things this morning real fast. Number one, the prayer. The prayer of expectation. Do you realize that prayer, in my opinion, is quite possibly one of the most powerful weapons that we have in our arsenal? But I'm afraid it's far, it's far underutilized. Listen to me today. God will not do for you that which you refuse to pray about. That's tweetable, Facebookable, Instagramable, Snappable. I just made up a bunch of words right there. God will not do for you that which you refuse to pray about. David said in Psalm 55 and 17, evening, morning, and at noon, he said, I will pray. And cry aloud, and God will hear my voice. Mark 11 and 24, Jesus said, Whatsoever things you desire, when you That doesn't sound like it's optional to me. Not if you pray. Not if you feel like praying. Not if it's convenient for you to pray. But when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Acts 12 and 5 tells us the story of Peter that was locked up in prison. And the Bible says that as Peter was locked up in prison, that the church prayed earnestly for Peter that God would open those Prison doors. In the book of James 5 16, 17, and 18, here's what James said that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah, the prophet Elijah, was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Watch this other part of the verse. It says, And he prayed again. Sometimes you got to just keep on on praying and you got to keep on going back and when he prayed again the heaven brought forth rain and the earth produced its fruit John said in 1 John 5 14 and 15 this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask of him we know we have the petitions that we have desired of him and in Jeremiah 33 and 3 one of my favorite verses in all of the scripture. God said, "Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not if you will only call unto me." God won't give you that which you refuse to pray about. Let me tell you this story about a devastating drought that threatened to destroy a generation. It was the generation before Jesus. Living just outside the walls of Jerusalem with this little eccentric sage by the name of Honi, H-O-N-I. And he was known for his ability to pray for rain. History says that Honey walked outside of his home one day, and with a six foot staff in his hand, he put that staff down into that dry, barren, dusty, parched ground, and he began to turn. Like a math compass, his movements were rhythmical, they were methodical, 90 degrees. Hundred and eighty degrees, two hundred and seventy degrees, three hundred and sixty degrees, until Honey had drawn a complete circle on that dusty ground. The story said that Honey stepped in to that circle, dropped down to his knees, extended his hands toward heaven, and prayed this prayer: Lord of this universe. I swear by your great name that I will not leave this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. And all of a sudden, they said this light drizzle began to fall from the sky. There was this collective gasp that made its way through the crowd when he prayed that prayer that day. You could hear the people slow rumble. Can you, do you believe what he said? Can you believe what he just prayed? And as the heavens opened and this drizzle began to fall, the the roar of the people just began to increase. Do you see this? Can you believe what's happening here? Still kneeling in that circle. Hands still raised toward heaven. Honey prayed another prayer. This time he lifted his voice up a little louder to be heard above the crowd of the people there. And he said, Lord, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. All of a sudden they said that it was as if the heavens completely opened. This torrential downpour began to come from the sky. Eyewitnesses who were there that day said there was not a raindrop that was smaller than an egg in size. So heavy and so great was the rain that many of the people who were there that day had to escape to the Temple Mount to get away from the flash flooding. Still kneeling in that circle, hands still extended toward heaven, Honey prayed yet one more prayer. And here's what he said, Lord, not for such rain have I prayed, but for the rain of thy favor, thy blessing, and thy graciousness. And like a well-proportioned sun shower on a hot, humid August day, they said it began to rain peacefully, calmly. Each raindrop was a tangible token and expression of God's grace. And that prayer that Honey prayed that day, has gone down in Israel's history as one of the most significant, monumental, historical prayers that have ever been prayed. What was it, Travis? It was the prayer of expectation. That Honey stepped into that circle and he had full confidence that the God he served was not only going to hear his prayer, but was going to answer his prayer. When's the last time that you stepped into your prayer closet or stepped into your prayer time and you walked in with a complete confidence and an expectation that the God, I feel like preaching right here, that the God of this universe, the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God, the God that is in control, that is sovereign over the affairs of mankind, when's the last time you stepped into your prayer your closet or stepped into your circle, if I can use that verbiage. And when you stepped in, you had full confidence and assurance and expectation that God was not only going to hear your prayer, but that God was going to respond and God was going to answer the cries of your heart. I'm telling you, there's a prayer of expectation that we can pray. I believe it'll move the hand of God. It'll move the heart of God and God will begin to work on your behalf prayer of expectation, and God will not do for you that which you refuse to pray about. Now, don't get me wrong here. God's not some magic genie in a bottle. You can snap your fingers and ask whatever you want. He'll just say, yeah, here you go, but I'm telling you, If you never ask God for it and you never take it to God in prayer, there's a 100% chance it will never happen in your life. Because when you, listen, when you stop praying, you remove it out of the hands of God. You take it from the hands of God when you stop praying. Prayer is the avenue, it's the vehicle, it is the way that God responds and moves on behalf of his people. When's the last time you prayed and you expected God to do what you were asking him to do? Here's the second one. Not oh, is it the prayer of expectation, but it is the prophecy of expectation. Maybe that's not the best word to use. I like it, though. The declaration of expectation. W- what do you mean? I mean that you start prophesying and you start declaring what you're believing God to do in your life. Uh, and and you, don't, you don't prophesy and declare what you feel, but you prophesy and you declare what you know. And you start declaring God's word, and you expect God to honor his word in your life. Now, watch this. Pastor, you better come help me land this, sir. Come on, please. I'm not talking about, you know, we call it the word of faith. Now, I believe there's power in what you say. But, Andy, I'm not talking about name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. You all know what I mean by that? You know, I use this analogy all the time. You know, you want a big red truck, a brand-new big red truck. Am I allowed to come down here and preach? Will that drive the cameramen crazy? You know, what, people, when I travel, the cameramen hate me. I went went one place one time, and they told me, Now, last time we were here, you came off the stage, you can't do that again. It messed us up. It threw us kind of into a disarray. I said, well, I'm sorry. I'll stay up there. You know, you want a big, Brother Gene Turpin, a big old red, shiny truck, you know? And you find that thing online, you print it off, you know, or you cut it out of a magazine, you throw it on your refrigerator, and you walk every day and say, I claim that big red truck. I claim that big red truck. That big red truck's mine. I call it in in Jesus' name. You know why some of you are laughing? Because people do that. And you can call it in all day long. But if you can't steward the finances you have now, God's not going to bless you with something else. Now, 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 Travis, you're not supposed to be preaching, Pastor. Well, that's Pastor Jones' job. Well, I'm going to preach it. You know, we we just we claim that new job. We claim that increase. We claim that raise. Well, you can't tithe on 500 bucks. How are you going to tithe on a 1,000? I didn't expect any help right there. I'm good. I, 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 I'm getting exactly what I expected right there. God, I'm believing you for a new job. I'm believing you for a promotion. You can't be on time to the one you have. <laughs> I got a mean streak on me bigger in Texas right now. Because <laughs> I'm telling the tr- James Hanks, am I telling the truth? I'm not talking about that. But I, I'm talking about declaring God's word. And if it's God's will for you to have a big red truck and you can handle the payment, you can handle the finances, you can steward things right, God will probably give you a big red truck. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about declaring God's word and expecting God to honor his word. You know that Old Testament story of Elijah when he had the confrontation with the prophets of Baal on top of Mount Carmel, you remember that story? And the God that answered by fire was the one true God. And we know that Elijah prayed and God answered by fire. They hadn't seen a drop of rain in three and a half years. Because of Wicked King Ahab and Jezebel, I'm doing a real a crash course here on this story. And after that confrontation happened and the fire fell, Elijah looks at Wicked King Ahab and he says this, you better get up and eat and drink because I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I'm convinced. I've preached all the way to this point because I feel God right here in this all week long. I feel like there's miracles in this building today. Suraba Kran, I don't say that haphazardly. I don't, you can ask my family. I told them a couple days ago, I feel like there's miracles in this place today. Not because of me, but in spite of me. Not because I'm here, because I believe the presence of God is here today. And he said, get up and eat drink. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I'm convinced there wasn't a cloud in the sky when he said that. I'm convinced it was crystal clear, blue skies. They hadn't seen a drop of rain in three and a half years. Elijah said, Ahab, get up here, dr- eat or drink, eat and drink. I hear the sound of the abundance rain. You know what Elijah was doing? He was declaring what he was expecting God to do. And then watch this. The Bible says when he said that, that Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he knelt down and put his head between his knees. Why do you think the Bible was so specific with that? There's a reason the Bible told you exactly what posture he entered into. He went to the top of Mount Carmel. I'm assuming Ahab's finding something to eat and drink, and he's getting the heck out of Dodge because there's a sound of the abundance of rain, or so the prophet said. And he goes to the top of Mount Carmel and bows down with his head between his knees. Have you ever tried to do that? Confession is good for the soul. I tried it the other day i go down to my basement for my quiet time and study time. I thought, well, there's nobody here. Might as well try. It's not impossible. possible. I mean, I tried to squat and do it. I tried to kneel. It's hard. Now, you know what some of you are going to do today? You're going to get home. You're going to try it. I guarantee you, you're going to try it. And somebody's going to walk in and go, what are you doing? I'm doing what the preacher said to do. You know why he did that? You know why the Bible was so specific? Because that was the the birthing position that Jewish women would get in when they got ready to give birth to their babies. Do you see the picture here? Elijah positioned himself in such a way to give birth to that thing that he was expecting God to do. Sometimes, I've got to preach right here, sometimes you've got to get yourself in position and get ready to give birth to that thing that God... You've got to get yourself in position and get ready to give birth to that thing that God has been speaking to you about. And when you're pregnant, you know what? We call women that are pregnant, we call them expecting. I see some pregnant people. I see some spiritually pregnant people in this house house today. You are full of a promise from God. You are full of a word from God. And you've been walking around going, God, is it ever going to happen? Is it ever going to come to pass? I came by to tell somebody today, it's time you get yourself in position. And you get expecting and you get ready because God is gonna honor His word in your life. Watch, stay right here with me for a second. And He put His head between His knees. And He was positioning Himself to give birth to that which which He was expecting. And He declared out of His mouth I hear the sound. He made a declaration, then He got in position got to start declaring what you're believing God to do and I don't mean just declaring what the preacher says I mean declaring the word the word and you got to position yourself to give birth to the word can I show you one last thing I, I found this little nugget yesterday I even went upstairs and preached this little nugget to JC in her room I said oh I got a little nugget for she said let me hear it I got done telling her and I took off out of the room like I was shouting I ran all the way down to Kelly said what are you doing?" She said, I'm just shouting a little bit I'm gonna preach this in the morning If you go back to Luke, remember when Elizabeth was pregnant, right? And Mary, the mother of Jesus, conceived about six months after Elizabeth did, right? You with me? There's a little, about four or five verses in Luke 1, beginning about verse 41, 42, that Mary makes this trip to go see Elizabeth. Right? And when Mary walks into her cousin's house the Bible said that she greets Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard her greeting, the baby John the Baptist, the Bible said it leaped in her womb, it jumped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she says, "Who am I that the mother of our Lord would come here and greet me. At the sound of your voice, I felt my baby jump. Now, there's a, there's a lot of commentary out there, a lot of reasons as to why. I read after one guy that said it's possible that Elizabeth had not felt John move in some time, and she was worried that she had miscarried. But when she heard the greeting of Mary, the baby jumped again. She said, oh, the promise is still alive. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. If you've got to get home to get to lunch, go ahead. I don't get to come by very often, so I'm going to preach a little bit longer. <clears throat> and the promise is alive again. I, I, don't know if, I don't know if that's the case. It's just been some commentary that I've read. But regardless, Mary was carrying who? Jesus. Jesus, according to John 1, is the Word. Because in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And when Mary, the carrier of the Word, when the Word of God came into contact with a promise from God, something happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Watch. And when Mary opened her mouth, Pastor Jeremy, she had the Word in her, right? And that... That voice just spoke. I believe she was carrying the word. Elizabeth's baby started leaping. Brother Kenny started jumping. Because when the word of God comes into contact with a promise for God or from God or something you're believing God for, Listen, I believe there's people in here today just by witness of the Holy Ghost. There's some things God's spoken to you about. And there's some promises that you have from God. And you've, some of you are to the point of you feel like giving up on it. It's dormant. It's dead. I don't feel like it's ever going to happen. I've declared God's word. I've done everything I was supposed to. And it just looks like nothing's ever going to happen. Can I tell you, I think God's going to make some babies start jumping in here again today. I believe there's some spiritual wombs this morning. They have become to the point. You feel like they're dead. But I'm telling you, when the word of God comes into contact with a promise from God, God and something you're believing God for, your baby, your promise will start leaping again, it'll start moving again, and there'll be an expectation you, yeah, this thing is not dead, there's still hope, I'm still hanging on to the word of God. Watch, 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 watch. Because Jesus said in John six sixty three, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit, and they are life. God's word will bring life. God's Word will bring life. It'll bring life to a dead marriage. It'll bring life to a dead relationship. It'll bring life to kids that are wayward. It'll bring life to a mind that is troubled and tormented. I'm telling you, the Word of God, there's life in the Word. And when the Word of God, when Mary spoke, when the Word of God came into contact with a promise from God that Elizabeth was carrying, that baby started jumping, that baby started moving. I'm telling you, I really believe today there's some babies that need to start jumping again today. You have given up. You've thrown the talent. I came by today to give you hope. It's not dead. The Word of God is bringing life today. Would you just raise up your hands in this place with me today? Would you welcome His presence? He's here. Come on, stand with me, would you? I'm going to show you one more thing. I came today with the Word. So what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean, Travis? How many of you are believing for God to save your family? How many of you got family members that are lost? How many of you got children? How many of you got wayward children? Brothers or sisters that are lost? Do you believe it's the will of God for your family to be saved? Do you believe it's the will of God for your family to be saved? you got to start declaring what you're expecting God to do. And according to 2 Peter 3 and 9, God's not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness. But he's long suffering toward us all. Not willing that any should perish. Watch this. But that all, that all, somebody say all. You know what all means? All. That wasn't a trick question. But that all should come to repentance. You know who's included in all? Your family, your, your sons, your daughters, your mom, your dad an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a niece, a nephew, a cousin. They're included in all. So why not start declaring 2 Peter 3 and 9, God, it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm declaring God your word. I'm declaring salvation over my family, and I'm expecting you, God, to honor your word. I got another one for you. How many of you need God to heal your body today? Or you need God to heal somebody you know to heal them today? I believe it's the will of God for people to be healed. Now, does it happen every time? It doesn't. I don't know why. I didn't come to debate that theology today. But I'm going to tell you, there's a word for that today. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. You ready? And with his stripes, we are healed. Listen, I didn't make that up. I didn't fabricate that. It was a prophecy from Isaiah about the suffering servant, Jesus Christ. It's the word of God. And if you believe that God wants to heal your body today or heal your family, why don't you start declaring that word and then expecting God to honor his word in your life that says with his stripes, you are healed. I got one more for you. Last one. I believe it's the will of God in this crazy, chaotic, conflicted, convoluted. If you can think of anything else with the sea, let me know. I believe it's the will of God for you to have peace in your life. You realize that the depression rate is skyrocketing, suicide rate is skyrocketing. You know why? Because people are unnerved and they're anxious and they're afraid. It's a crazy time we're living in. But I want to tell you today, you don't have to be anxious about the future. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be crippled by anxiety. You don't have to walk around with worry. I came today with a promise for you. I came today with a word from God for you. Here's the declaration: be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes under, and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard, will guard your hearts and minds through. Christ Jesus what is that Travis that's the word of God why not start declaring that word and then expecting that God is going to stand up and show up and honor his word for peace in your life Somebody's baby's jumping today. Somebody's baby, somebody's promise is alive again today. Why? You've come into contact with the Word of God. Raise up your hands and welcome the Holy Spirit. He's here today. Come on, welcome the Holy Spirit. His presence, His presence is here today. It's the declaration of expectation. You need to start prophesying. You don't, need to, you don't need to call somebody to get a word. You don't need to stay and watch late night TV for the prophets to come on and give you a 1-800 number. Start, start prophesying the word of God today and start expecting God to honor His word. Oh, come on. Amen. Second Corinthians 1 and 20, you know what it says? No matter how many promises God makes, they are yes in Christ. And through Him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Oh, come on. See what God says about your family being saved? He says yes. You know what we say? You know what amen means? So be it. I agree. I just come into alignment with the Word of God. I'm done preaching. Now I'm just talking, so my time's done. I'm not preaching anymore. So stop the clock. When you say amen, you're coming into agreement, coming into alignment with God's Word. You know Kelly has some back issues that she deals with. That thing flared up recently. You know why? She was out of alignment. Things weren't where they need to be. And when you are out of alignment physically, you can't function and, and be who God called you to be. There was days that we had to pitch in. And we had to help a little bit. We had to throw some clothes in the washer. We had to fold some towels. We had to do some things. Now we try to help do that. On a regular basis, probably not as much as we should, but I, we're still working on it. And because she was out of alignment, she couldn't function properly. Listen, when you get out of alignment with God's Word, you can't function and be who God called you to be. Come on. Right? But when you align yourself, I declare it for the salvation of my family. God, you say yes, and I say? God, I declare healing. From, I'm aligning myself with your Word that says I'm healed. God, you've already said yes, and we say? Amen. God, I'm declaring peace in my life, and I'm coming into agreement. I'm aligning myself with your word. You've already said yes to peace, and we say You align yourself, and you come into agreement. You're exactly where you're supposed to be, and things operate the way they're supposed to. I'm telling you today, the word of God is alive in here today. It's quick and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and of spirit and of joint and of morrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, according to Hebrews four and twelve. The word of God. It's alive here today. I sense it. Oh, come on, amen. Not because of me, but because the Lord, His presence today, His word is becoming alive. Bless the Lord. God. Have your way. What I've envisioned the last several days. I envision myself standing here the last several days and just stretching my hands out and just declaring miracles. Miracles. All over this building today, the miraculous, the supernatural, miracles of healing, miracles of restoration. Listen, don't give up. Don't give up on a fragmented relationship. Don't give up on a broken relationship. Don't give up on a broken marriage. I'm telling you, miracles. God can do it today. Come on, amen. Yes. Where, Chrissy, where are you at? How's How's Jaden feeling? Is she better? Good. I've been thinking about her the last several days. She's well completely. She's good. She's out of the woods. Very tired. Just lay your hand right here on your chest. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. Father, I declare complete, total restoration for Jaden in the name of Jesus. I speak to this fatigue that has come as a result of sickness. And I declare that she's completely well and she's whole. God, I declare renewed energy and renewed strength right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I declare the word today. I want you to do something for me, if you can physically do it. I want you to just to demonstrate a a posture of your heart. If you can get up on your tiptoes just a little bit. Would you do that today? Come on. Get up on your tiptoes. It's time we get on our tiptoes. And we start expecting God to work in our lives. Raise your hands up right now and say, Lord, I receive. Just say, Lord, I receive. Father, I declare today miracles in this place. Miracles. God, I don't know why. I don't know why I felt that. I don't know why I've sensed that all week long. I declare miracles today. Miracles of healing. Miracles of breakthrough. Miracles of restoration. Miracles of peace today. God, I declare miracles all over this building today. From one side of this room to the next, I declare miracles today. In the name of Jesus, if you need God today to do something supernatural in your life, Reach your hands way up and say, God, I receive today the miracle. God, I receive today. Listen, it may not happen in here today. It may be after we leave, maybe days, weeks. I don't know. God, I just declare miracles today. God, over here in this section right here today, I declare miracles. I declare the supernatural today coming to pass. God, right here today. God I declare miracles today I declare miracles of healing I declare miracles of restoration God over here today I declare miracles I declare the miraculous work of God the supernatural power of God I declare miracles today